Good morning. How is everybody? Blessed. Well, I'm glad you're all here. I'm thankful for I'm thankful for the answer prayer on Wednesday. I have been praying for us to break 30 for three years. Uh, we've gotten close to it. We've had as high as 27, um, and we've been as low as two. Uh, and uh, and I've been begging the Lord for a while, and uh, I went down to uh, I went to, down to a conference last Monday and Tuesday. Ezra and I went down to the, the Save New England conference. Um, it's a it's a group of uh, of churches uh, that their desire is to see uh, revival in the churches that are here, uh, soul winning uh, in the, for the lost, and you won't have the soul winning until you have the revival, and then and then uh, churches planted. Uh, which comes as a result of, of the, those souls that are saved because they need a place to go to church. So, uh, so that's where we were down, and, and I came back just stirred and just trusting the Lord, and God spoke to my heart um, that, that morning uh, in, my, in my Bible reading and uh, that I needed to just have faith, and I prayed, said, Lord, I believe. I said, I know you can do it, and uh, I'm asking you to do it. And, uh, and while we had the, we had the Nettervilles, uh, Scott Netterville and his wife, uh, Deborah, were here, um, they, uh, they only accounted for two of the extras that we had. So even without the visiting preacher and his wife, we still had 31. Praise the Lord. God is good. And we had a good time. Uh, for those of you that are here, I, I was, it was a blessing. And, uh, and you were, I, I believe you were blessed. I was blessed uh, through the word and just through the, the spirit of the, of, the, of the prayer meeting. And uh, I, I encourage you to, to come back. Our desire is that we have that every time we get together, not just... Not just once in a while, um, but uh, uh, we have the opportunity because we, we're children of God, are we not? Uh, God wants us to come together and have a, uh, have a, a blessed time in the Word and a blessed time in prayer when we get... In fact, He wants it more than we do, and, uh, but it depends upon us. So I encourage you. I'm thankful that you're here. I encourage you to come. When you come to church, when you, when you go to your time of, of private devotions, that you go to it uh, not just out of out of tradition, not just because you, uh, you're you supposed to do it, but do it out, out of a desire to meet with God. And, and I do believe as we draw nigh to, to him, James chapter 4, he will draw nigh to us. And uh, he, he, brings about, he can bring about that spirit of revival. Will we see revival in America? I don't know. Possibly. God can do anything he wants to. Uh, but uh, we can absolutely see revival in our church. And, uh, but that only takes place when there's revival in each one of us as individuals, because we are a body of believers, individual believers. So uh, I pray the Lord will, will, will bless and stir. And uh, I do want to share a prayer request. Many of you have already seen this. Um, we all know uh, Brother Arnie McKenzie, uh, who's been with us since 2015, I believe. Uh, he wasn't able to come for quite a while because of COVID. They wouldn't let him out of the facility that he lives in. Uh, but, uh, but he's been back the last several weeks. Um, and uh, he missed last Sunday. We went, I went to pick him up, and uh, he was sick. Uh, he was in the hospital. Um, they, they assured me that he was doing better, that they had talked to the nurses, and things were going well. Um, but I, so I assumed he was already home. Um, but I got a phone call from his family uh, yesterday afternoon um, that... He is not doing well. Uh, he's had a septic, uh, his infection in his blood, um, and he has a brain bleed. Uh, he's having a stroke. Um, so 
he's, they're not doing anything to treat any of this. It's, he's completely paralyzed on one side of his body. He's been unresponsive for the most part um, since Friday. And uh, told me three weeks ago, he grabbed me by the back door at the church. He says, Pastor, come here. I want to tell you something. And normally when he does that, he says, I want you to know the devil didn't want me to be here today, but I, he didn't win. Uh, but that day, he said, I want you to know I'm getting old and I'm not going to be here much longer. And I said, Arnie, when it's God's time, he'll take you. But you stick around as long as you can because we love you. And uh, I don't know if the Lord is sharing something with him. but it doesn't sound like it's going to come through this. And we have a God that can, but he's 92. So let's be praying for him, praying for his family. He gave me an opportunity just to talk to his nephew yesterday, and to be, and uh, we, I got to go in and speak, talk to Arnie, I read scripture with him, prayed with him. And then, and then before I left, um, I talked to his nephew, uh, called him Junior, and... Uh, we uh, made sure that he was saved. Uh, he, he knows for sure he's saved. He's, he's placed his faith in Christ. He, uh, but I said, I, I said, I know Arnie, and I know where Arnie's heart is. I said, I said no offense, but I don't know you, <laughs> and I know where Arnie wants you to go, so let, can we have a discussion? And he thanked me for, for talking with him, and, and he, said, he said, I know I'm saved. He goes, I, he goes, I appreciate you, you asking. Um, so praise the Lord for that. Um, but uh, before I left... I said goodbye because I probably won't see him again. I said, I love you. I kissed him on the forehead. And for the first time in two days, he opened his one eye and said, I love you. The Bible says, Blessed, precious to the Lord is the death of his saints. He's a part of our body. He has a, servant's, has a servant's heart. He loves the Lord. And he, loves, he loves everybody. For, for a while there, he thought Mike wasn't coming to church anymore. He goes, have you seen Mike? I, I, he, kept, he grabbed me two or three times. I haven't seen him. I said, he's right there. <laughs> he goes, that's not him. I said, yes, it is. Uh, he, knew, he knew everybody. And uh, he loves them. But the truth is we're to love each other like that, aren't we? So I, I, I would encourage you to be praying for him, praying that, uh, that, that uh, these next few days, however long it takes, um, are a time of comfort and peace for his family. And uh, just a time of him, he's excited to get home. When he, when he told me that he, was, that he was, wasn't going to be, he wasn't saying it in a scared way, he was excited because he's going to be with Jesus. And if, listen, if there was anybody in this church that had no fear about praising the Lord, it was Arnie. <laughs> And I, so just, just know that he'll be up there waiting for us when that time comes. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Luke. We're we'll looking at chapter 5. 
and we'll jump around a little bit here, but we're going to read the text this morning, Luke chapter 5, and then we're going to seek the Lord's help, and, uh, and then we'll get into, the, get into it. Luke chapter 5, verse 1, and we're going to read just down to verse, verse uh, 4. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep. And let down your, your nets for a drop. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. God, I thank you for your spirit and for your word that works in us. Lord, in a way that we cannot. Lord, I pray that this morning your Holy Spirit would have its way with each and every one of us. God, I pray that there would be no sin in me, no attitude, no thought, nothing that would hinder you from using me to preach this, this message, Father, that you would have. I, I truly do believe it's of you. So God, I ask that you would give me the words to speak. God, I pray that the Spirit of God would, would, would fill me with your, with your power to be able to, to preach this message in the way that you would have me to, Father. Anything that is not of you, God, I pray that you keep it out of my mouth and out of my mind. Lord, for each and every one of us, Lord, I pray that you give us ears to hear. I pray that our hearts will be sensitive to the moving of the Spirit, to the Word of God. I pray that uh, you would challenge us and encourage us, whatever needs to be done. Father, if there's one here today that's not saved, I pray that your Spirit would open up their eyes to the truth of the Gospel, and that they would, by faith, trust in Jesus for their salvation. God, I pray that you would work in a great and mighty way, Lord, in stirring us, Father, and preparing us for whatever it is that you're calling us to. We ask that you would, Lord, that you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There is a crossroads in everybody's life when we have to make a choice. And that choice will affect the rest of our life. Some of us have already had those crossroads, and there, there are at times multiple crossroads. When you got married, you made a choice to change the rest of your life, hopefully for the better, or maybe not. I'm kidding. Guys, don't nod your head. You're going to get hurt. There are lots of choices that we make. Sometimes those choices can seem almost, uh, almost uh, imperceptible, right? We make choices every single day. You get up in the morning, and uh, what are you going to eat for breakfast? Do you think that, that doesn't make a difference? And Well, while it may not make a, uh, a massive difference today, it could make a difference in, for the rest of your life, depending on what it is you've cho chosen to eat and how you, how you choose to, to, to go about your day. But, but we make those choices every single day, but sometimes these choices are kind of thrust upon us. And I believe that, that, that God has, uh, there are times that God uses choices in our life to direct us and to change, uh, to change our lives. I think back to the, in the Old Testament to, to Abraham when God told him to go up on the mountain and to, to bring a sacrifice. And it wasn't a sacrifice of a lamb, it was a sacrifice of a son. Abraham had a choice to make. 
And it was a choice that set the direction for the rest of his life. God was testing him, not because God didn't know what he was going to do. God knows all things. Amen? He's, uh, his, his mind is greater than our mind. His, uh, he knows all things. Every choice that you're going to make, he already knows. But what he tests us in, in a way so that we know, so that we understand. Abraham, with that, with that particular instance, Abraham, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, believed God, and by faith he sacrificed his son Isaac, trusting that God who had promised him generations of, 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 of nations, of, of the nation of Israel, that he would, through Isaac, raise him back up again. That's a tough choice. When I got saved, I made a choice. God opened my eyes to the truth of the word of God. I saw myself for the first time as a sinner. I knew in my head that I was a sinner because I'd been taught that. I, I read the word, I, I knew the, the Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and short of the glory of God. But when, when I was confronted by the Holy Spirit with my sin, I made a choice. And guess what? That choice changed my life. But God has given me other choices in my life as well that have also set the course that he would have for me. We, hear, we see here uh, in, in this chapter, Luke chapter 5, uh, it's, it's the miracle uh, of, uh, of the fish. Now there are multiple times where Jesus, where Peter's out fishing and God told him to, to cast a net down. It's not the, this isn't the first time, but I, I want us to, 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 to look at this and, and, and look at the people that were there. And I want you to understand that, that, that God has a choice, a call uh, for every single person on this earth. But not everybody will follow that call. We're given a choice. We see here, first of all, it says, And it came to pass as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. He stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Uh, understand the situation, what's going on. Just prior to this, uh, in chapter 4, uh, Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. She, uh, she was sick with fever, and he went into Peter's house, and, and he healed her. And then he went outside, and everybody brought all kinds of people, brought their sick, those that were sick, those that were, uh, those that were lame, those that were uh, covered, had many diseases, those that were... Uh, they had uh, devils inside of them that were possessed. They brought them all, and Jesus healed them all. And, and he had other places to go and other, other places to preach. And he, he said, I must depart. They said, no, stay here, because they wanted to hear what he had to say. They wanted to see what he was going to do next. And in chapter 5, it says, and it came to pass as the people pressed. They followed him. He tried to go out in chapter 4. At the end of chapter 4, he went out into a desert place to get away, and they followed him. People had a way of following Jesus. There were a lot of people that followed Jesus. And this is the, the first group of people that, that, that stuck out in my mind as I, as I look at this. The message is mostly about Peter, but I want you to understand something. There are, there are those that follow Christ for the wrong reasons. They want to know, they want to understand, they want to see, maybe even benefit. These were all people that were following Jesus for a specific purpose, and they wanted to hear what he had to say. And listen, there are a lot of people that want to hear what Christ had to say. But you know where they stayed right here? On the shore. Now Jesus didn't ask them 
to, to go out under the boat, to, to go out with him or to go any farther. They stayed on the shore. Why? Because they had not made a commitment to follow Christ. In John chapter 6, it talks about the, the many disciples that, 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 that followed Jesus, those that wanted to hear, those that, that, that wanted to see the miracles. But in John chapter 6, Jesus preached some really hard truths. In John chapter 6, he preached that he was the bread of life and that he had come down from heaven. And it says, and the people began to wonder what he meant. How could he say that he is from heaven? You continue on with that message at the end. It said that because that he preached those hard things, many of those disciples stopped following him and never followed again. There are a lot of people that they want to hear, they want to, they want to, they want to see, but when it comes down to it, they're not really willing to count the costs. Not, they don't want to make the changes necessary to follow Christ. Now, Peter, we see Peter here. He walks up and gets on Peter's boat. Now, this is not the first time that, Jesus, or that Peter has met Jesus. I, I want you to understand that. You know who Peter is. If, you, if you've read anything about Scripture, he is a loud mouth, not quick to speak, quick to act, right? If some stranger that he'd never met got on his boat... His, his, his fishing boat, the, his, the, the boat that he used for work, what do you think he would have done if he didn't know him? Get out of here. Who do you think you are? But in John chapter 1, we see that Jesus met Peter the day after, or the day that he was baptized, the day that Jesus was baptized. John chapter 1, look, let's look at it real quick. John chapter 1, 35 through 42. Verse 35 says, And the next day, after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And two disciples heard him, uh, two disciples of John heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They say unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. Notice verse 40. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first, before he went and spent the day with Christ, he first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. So, so here... Here John sees Jesus. He's, he's got his disciples that are there with him. They've been following John the Baptist for, for, for a while because he's been preaching that he is the one who's, who, who's, who's, who's straightening the way, who's preparing the way of the Lord. And he sees Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God. That's the one that we have all been waiting for. And Andrew and the other disciple who was Philip, they, they, they went and they, uh, they, 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 they said, we're going to follow, follow him. Why would we follow the guy who's preparing the way? Let's follow the guy who is the way. So they, they began to follow Jesus. Uh, but it says before they went to Jesus, Andrew went to his brother. Simon Peter says, hey, we have found the Messiah. And Andrew and Peter went to Jesus. And they spent the day with him. I don't know what he taught them. The Bible doesn't re reveal those things to us. I don't know what he said, but they spent the day with Christ. The next time we see, we see that, that meeting is in Mark chapter 1. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus is walking along the seashore. You can turn there real quick with, with me if you would. Uh, verse 16. Jesus is walking by the seashore, and we all know this passage. 
He sees them, uh, they're, they're washing their nets after a night of fishing. Uh, back, those, back in those days, the fishing was done at night. It was done with nets, not with a, not with a fishing pole. And it says, it says there in verse 16, Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. What happened? This is not the first time. It would be really weird for them to just see Jesus and say, hey, we're going to follow that guy. No, they'd already spent time with him. They had already heard some of his teachings. Notice what Jesus said to them. Follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. They knew, every, they knew everything about fishing for fish. Uh, that was their life that was, their, that was their job. That was their career. Uh, uh, between them and, and James and, and John, uh, the sons of Zebedee, uh, they, 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 were, they were partners in, in, in this business that they had of going out and, and, and commercial fishing. They would catch as, as many fish as they could. They would bring them back, uh, and they would be sold. And that's how they supported their family. That's how they fed their, fed their families. And, and so, so this was their job. But here, here he sees them, and they, he, said, he said, follow me, this man that they'd spent some time with. And what do they do? They made a choice. They made a choice. And this choice affected them. It affected their life. It set them on a direction, on a course. And they followed Jesus. Now, as we go down further in the book of, they say, well, maybe that's the same the, the same time he asked him to follow. There's other uh, accounts where he says, follow me. But uh, and he, In fact, Jesus says to them several times uh, throughout, throughout all the Gospels, he says, follow me. But I want you to understand, they made a choice that day to follow him. And his promise was, I will make you to become fishers of men. They were already fishermen. He was calling them to do something different. But they weren't there yet. They weren't ready. They, they were not fishers of men. They were fishers of fish. That he said, I will make you to become. That word, that, that, that when he says make you, that means I'm going to do something. Something needs to change in you, and I will, I will make that change in you so that you can then become fishers of men. Later on in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 29, we see, we see what we also saw in Mark, or Luke chapter 4. Uh, verse 29 says this, and forthwith, when they came out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of fever, and Anna, they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. So, so this is the same, this is the same timeline that we, that we see in Luke chapter 4. Uh, he's gone into Simon's house. He's already spent time with them. They've already said, he's already said, follow me. Now, uh, after teaching and, and, and preaching and, and doing some, some work, uh, now he's entering into the house of Simon, spending more time with Simon and his family, building a relationship, a closeness that God desires in every child of his. After this, again, in Matthew chapter 4, it talks of, of the, the miracles that were performed The teaching that went on, the preaching that went on. And, and again, back in Luke chapter 5. Now, you have Peter and, James, Peter and Andrew and James and John again out fishing. 
They'd already left their nets once, but they didn't leave their livelihood. They had, they had followed Christ. They had chosen to, to follow him. They began to build that relationship with him. But guess what? He wanted them to go a little bit further. Did you not? Their life was going to be completely different. He had said, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. But they weren't there yet. So here in chapter 5, uh, they're, 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 they're there. They're still trying to provide for their families. They're still working on those boats. And, and it, says that, that it says actually that they, were, that they, they weren't in their boats. They were outside of the boats cleaning this. This tells me that one thing, well, and it tells us later, later on in the passage, that they spent all night fishing. This was the end of their workday. Have you ever worked night, a night shift? It's exhausting, is it not? It's exhausting. So they're at the end of it, and I can, I can guarantee you, just like anybody else, he was ready to go home and go to bed. His, his, his eyelids were tired. His back was hurting. It is not easy to, to listen. He wasn't sitting in a chair with a fishing pole waiting for, waiting for the thing to go off. They would have to take this net, and they'd have to cast it out, and then they'd have to draw it back in. They'd cast it out. He spent an entire night doing that and caught nothing. From what I can see, Peter was a terrible fisherman. <laughs> Every time you see him, uh, Jesus tell, tells him to cast it on the other side. He'll say, I've been doing this all night long, and I've caught nothing. He needs to really get, take some lessons, apparently. Maybe it was good that God was giving him a different career choice. <laughs> I don't believe that he was, he was that bad. I believe that God gave him days of drought in his work to prepare him for what was to come. Because it wouldn't have been anything if he caught all kinds of fish the night before. And then Jesus said, go out and catch some more fish. He'd be like, I've been doing that all night. I don't need any more fish. It wouldn't have been a miracle. It wouldn't have been a miracle if, if, if he could have done it on his own. So, so there he is. He's washing his hands. He's, he, he's, he's busy. And this crowd of people followed Christ. And, he's, and, and he, was, he couldn't get any space. And it, says, it didn't say he asked to get on the boat. It says that he walked out onto his boat. Notice it there in Luke chapter 5. He says, and saw, verse 2, and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. Verse 3, and he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's. He picked that one for a reason, by the way, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. He prayed him, asked him that he would thrust out a little from the land. So here Simon is, he's at the end of his workday, he's tired, his back hurts, he's, he's trying to finish up and, and, and be able to, 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 to store his nets, because if they don't do this, uh, the nets will rot, and there'll be, there'll be breaks in the net, and then he's, uh, so he's trying to get all this done, and here comes Jesus, asking him to do something. Take him away from his, his, his work, and take him away from uh, his livelihood, the way he's, he provides for his family. He's already frustrated and disappointed because he hasn't gotten any fish, and Jesus says, can you thrust out a little bit so I can teach? Now remember, this isn't the first time. And to be honest, he owed Jesus. Well, maybe he was a little upset because Jesus healed his mother-in-law. Depends on how his relationship was with his mother-in-law. I'm kidding. He'd seen the work of God. He was following him because he believed in the things that he was saying. He didn't know who he was just yet. Those, that would be revealed later. But he, he'd begun to follow him. He, he'd made that choice. And so when Jesus said thrust out a little bit, guess what? He dropped his net, and he got in the boat. And he put out just a little bit off the shore, and Jesus sat down in the boat and taught the people on the shore. 
Now, if, if looking at the other Gospels, we actually know what he was teaching from that boat. The Bible tells us that he was t- teaching the, the parable of, of, the, uh, of the sower and the seed. And there were several parables that he taught that day. In fact, the disciples said, why are you teaching these parables? We don't understand. He goes, why don't you understand? Why? They spent time with him. They made a decision. He says, this, this isn't for them. This is really for you. And he explained to them, the disciples, those who had trusted and began to follow Christ, uh, those, those, so he, he was explaining to them what those things meant. It wasn't for the masses that were all there listening. Why wasn't it for them? Because the disciples were the ones that had chosen to follow. So uh, they thrust out, they, he teaches for a while, and, and then, when the teaching's done, he looks at Simon, and he says, launch out into the deep, and cast your net for a drop. He asked him to go a little bit further. The first thing I want us to notice here is the request that was made. The request that was made. It, it, it was a graduated request. What do I mean by that? Jesus had a job for Simon Peter. He had a, he had a request to be made. It was not an imposition. I was trying to, I was trying to think of, uh, at first I was going to say this was, uh, he, that he imposed upon Peter. He, he got on the boat. He, he, he asked him to do something when he had something else to do. But listen, it was not an imposition to Peter. He wasn't forcing him. He wasn't pressuring him. It says he asked him. Can I tell you that, God, that Jesus Christ does not impose on the lives of his children? He does not. His desire is that you would have a desire to follow him. His desire would be that you would have a desire to sacrifice for him. The Bible says the love of Christ constraineth us. That if he would give all for us, that we might give all for him. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says that, that I, I, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He's not asking you to do more than you owe him. You owe him everything. He wasn't, this wasn't imposed upon him, but I want you to understand it was a request. He said, the first request was follow me. Now he's saying, then the next request was this. Thrust out a little. You notice he didn't tell him right away to go out into the deep. He said, just thrust out a little. Can, can I... Can, can I make this point? That if he hadn't gotten in the boat and thrust out a little, he never would have told him to launch out into the deep. It was a graduated request. If he refused to, to, to get in the boat and, and push out a little so Jesus could teach the people, can I tell you what this one thing? That, that would have been the end for Peter as a disciple of Christ? Jesus was trying to make him to become a fisher of men. It takes obedience and faith. And if he was not going to have the obedience and faith to get him out there, I don't believe he would have followed him anymore. His obedience and faith shows me something. It shows me that he believes. In fact, he says, he says Master, when he responds in a minute, he calls him Master. Why? Because he understood that the Lord, that Jesus was his Lord and Master. If you're saved this morning, raise your hand. Praise God. 
Jesus said to you one of these days, follow me. For me, it was when I was 15. I don't know when it was for you. He called, he called for you to follow him, and you did. You, you made a choice, if you're saved today, you made a choice to not be part of the group that was sitting on the, the standing on the, 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 the shoreline. Now Jesus is asking, and he asks this of every Christian, to follow him just a little bit farther. He got in Peter's boat, and he said, thrust out a little bit. Peter got in the boat, and they thrust out so he could teach. There, there, was, there was immediate obedience, but it was based upon the relationship that he had. He could have asked any one of those other people out there, and, and, and somebody could have done it. But listen, he asked Peter why, because he had built a relationship with Peter. He spent a day with Peter when Andrew brought him, to, brought him to him. He'd been in Peter's house and healed his mother-in-law. Uh, he had been following him for a while. There was a relationship there. Listen, if you have a relationship with Christ, then, then, then God is calling you to do something, but it's not based upon the fact that he wants to order you around. He didn't order Peter. He asked him. His desire is that you would, by faith and obedience, follow him. Next we see that he, we see, we see in verse 4, now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drop. This was the second part of, his, of this request. And again, it was graduated. If, if he had refused to do the first, he never would have asked him the second. You know, there are times when God calls people to, do, to, to serve. Uh, I was called to, 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 to preach and to pastor. Uh, I do believe that that was the call of God on my life. It was not me looking at, at the position saying, man, I wish I could have that. I, I believe 100% that God had this, this purpose for my life. But can I tell you, God has a purpose for your life. And it doesn't matter if you just retired. And it doesn't matter if you're 13 years old or 6 years old or 7 years old. God, if you're saved, God has a purpose for you. But he's, there was a, I can remember when I was eight, 17 or 18 years old, in my, uh, in my bedroom, we were living in, uh, I might have been older than that, but maybe 19 or 20. Uh, we were living in Sharedsville. And I can remember going up to my bedroom and laying on the floor and begging God to show me what he wanted me to do with my life. God, whatever it is, I will do it. Wherever you want me to go, I will go. Uh, whatever it is, I just wanted to know what it was. The problem was, what I was asking God was to show me what he was going to have me do by launching out into the deep when I hadn't yet thrust out of the shore yet. See, what God wants from us is, is obedience in the little things before he'll give us a larger task. He's not going to call you to, to, to go be a missionary in Papua New Guinea if you refuse to tell somebody here about Jesus Christ. How would you have the boldness over there if you don't have the boldness here? Why, why would you obey that if you won't obey this? How could you trust God to, 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 to build a church if you won't trust God enough to tithe? God gives us graduated requests in our life. He wants us to do those small things first. 
Now, that doesn't mean we just give up and say, no, I'm just going to stand over here. You might just find yourself standing on the shoreline. What you do is you start doing those little things. You start trusting God. You start going to church on a regular basis. You pray. You read the Bible. You tithe. You serve. You love. You find something for God to use you and say, God, whatever it is, I will do it. And then you do those things. And then God will give you more to do. Now, I, I do want to notice, we looked at the request. I want to notice Peter's response. First response is this, verse 5. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. He says, I'm tired, Lord. <laughs> I have worked hard. Uh, the, the, the work day is over. You're asking me to go out there and fish some more? I've fished. There are no fish. Now, something that's interesting, the, 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 when, when in those days, the, the fishing that was done was mainly done in the shallow waters, not in the deep waters. Those, those nets that they were, they weren't big, long nets like you see on the commercial fish, the, the fishing uh, trawlers now where they, they, they set those mile-long nets and they, they drive on and they, they go down deep into the ocean. And, uh, that's not the kind of net they had. It was a net that they would cast. It was meant for shallow waters. And they would pull it back and it would enclose, uh, close on uh, the, all the small fish that are, that, are, that are in there. And notice it says the first time Jesus saw them, they were on the shore casting their nets into the sea. So this wasn't, they weren't, they weren't meant to fish in deep waters, but Jesus said, go out into the deep waters. Not only, did it, not only did, had they been fishing all night and not caught anything, he was asking them to do something that went against everything that they understood and knew about fishing, especially in the Lake Gennesaret. It wasn't done that way. We can make a lot of excuses and reasons on why we don't do what God calls us to do. An excuse... A wise man once said is, the skin of reason stuffed full of lies. Now, we can have reasons why we don't do it. And, and sometimes they're good reasons. It's, it's illogical. It doesn't make sense. Why would I do that? I've already been trying and nothing's working. But Jesus didn't say, how has fishing been? He said, go fishing. He didn't say, how tired are you? He said, launch out into the deep and cast down your net for a drop. We can make reasons on why we don't do things for the Lord. We can. And they can be good reasons. But just because it makes logical sense to us, doesn't make it right. And can, can, can I, let me, does, let me also say this. If, they had never, if he had not gone out, if he had followed his reasoning, he never would have seen the fish. There's a, there's a, 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 a chapter, Psalms chapter uh, 107. Uh, turn there real quick with me if you would. I heard a message preached out of this chapter, and a phrase was said, said that really sparked the thought of, of this whole message on, on, on Monday or Tuesday Psalm 107, I want you to look at a couple, couple verses in that chapter. Now, I understand it's not the context of it, 
but there's a principle here that that I want you to see. Psalm chapter 107, verse 23 and 24. It says, They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. Now it goes on to say how uh, they mount up to the heavens, the seas do. They go up to the, uh, go down again to the depths. Talking about the, the ship in the, in the power of the sea. Their soul is melted because of the trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like drunken men and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet. So bringeth he unto them, uh, them under their safe haven. But, but notice those two verses. It says, these... See the work of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. When they went out into the deep waters, you know who didn't see what happened? The people standing on the shore. They missed out. They did not see the miracle. If you're going to see God work in your life, if you're going to see people saved, if you're going to see, if we're going to see this church built up and grown, not by our work and not by our effort, but through the power and the miracle of God as he works in the hearts of people, if we're going to see that, guess what? We have to get off the shore. We have to thrust out a little bit. We have to launch out into the deep to see the miracles of God. We have to be obedient to the work and calling of God in our lives. Or we'll never see it. And I'll, I'll tell you, I, I am tired of not seeing it. It, 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 it kills me. To, and I, I want to make sure you don't misunderstand me. It kills me when, when I read of other pastors, and, other, and I'm not comparing our church to other churches. Understand this. But when I, when I see how this church had seven saved and, and, and four baptized, and this church, and I think, why, Lord, why not here? God says, You know, if you don't ever pass out a track, nobody will read one. That if you don't ask the hard questions, they'll never answer them. Yesterday, I sat down with Arnie's, Arnie's nephew uh, at, his, at Arnie's bedside. I said, before I leave, can I ask you a question? And he says, sure. I said, it may be uncomfortable, and I apologize for that. But I know where Arnie's going. Arnie knew where he was going when he dies question is to you. And it launched into a, 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 it launched into a conversation about eternity. And that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Guess what? If I never asked that question, I would still be wondering today if his, if, if his nephew was saved or not. Well, you don't understand. I just, that's not who I am. It's not who I am either. And I'm not trying to build myself up. What I'm trying to say is, unless we're willing to go be obedient and have faith that God can work, nothing will ever happen. I could make all the excuses. They're going through a difficult time right now. Right? I might, I might upset the family by asking those questions. I don't think I'd upset Arnie. Praise the Lord, it didn't upset the family either. But I want you to understand, you've got to be willing to, to, to go there and do those things or we'll never see God work. He had plenty of good reason. He said, I'm weary. It's worthless. I've already done this. I spent all night out there and caught nothing. And by the way, if we, we can go out and do those things, 
But if we don't go out through the, through the leading of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit of God, all that effort will be worthless. But then I want you to notice his relenting. There's a word there in verse 5. Nevertheless, he says, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. He said, Lord, I'm tired. We spent all night fishing. Nevertheless, that word nevertheless means but. It, it means, while we've done all that, I will do what you asked. He said, nevertheless, I will let down the net. His relenting took faith. It took faith. Him giving in to the Lord took faith. If he had gone out there and said, you know what, we haven't caught anything all night, we're not going to catch, he would have just stayed on the shore. But because the Lord had told him and because he believed, why, you know how he could believe that the Lord could do that? Because he had just watched miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Did he not? He, he saw people healed. He saw uh, even his own mother-in-law. Uh, the fever was rebuked by Jesus, it says in Mark. And, and, and the fever left her and she got up and she was healed. The uh, devils were cast out. Uh, lame people walked. Blind people saw. Deaf people could hear. Listen, the work revealed itself. The work of Christ revealed itself to him that there was power in this man. So he said, nevertheless... Even though I've got all these reasons not to, I'm going to launch out into the deep. And yes, I will cast the net. It took faith. And it took obedience. Something about faith, it always produces obedience. Every time. If I believe something is true, guess what comes after that? It changes the way I, I, I act. It does. Faith or belief affects our behavior. If I believe God is going to do something, guess what? I'm much more apt to do it, to step out, to be obedient to the word. Uh, Hebrews 11, by faith, it goes down through the whole list of names who, of, of, of those Old Testament saints that by faith didn't just say they believed, but then they did what God called them to do. Abraham left his home. He sacrificed his son. Why? Because he had faith. Every single one of them had faith. And that faith affected their behavior. He, he relented because of his faith and he was obedient. Now I want you to see the reward that comes out of this. It says, And Simon answering said, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, he didn't just say he was going to do it. Let me say this. He didn't just I will say it again. He didn't just say he was going to do it. How many times have we just said that we were going to do something? I have. Lord, I'm going to do this for you. And then three days later, I still haven't done it yet. Three weeks later, I still haven't done it yet. Did I, was I obedient? No. No, I wasn't. How many, how many vows have we made to God and not kept? Lord, I will do this. God takes those vows very seriously. But Peter, when he said he would do it, he did it. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, 
and their net break. They had fished all night. Jesus said, launch out into the deep. He did. He dropped the net because Jesus said so. And he caught more fish than that net could, than that net could hold. In fact, if you read down through the rest of the account, uh, it says the net break. And then uh, James and John, who were still on the shore, they had to beckon to them. They had to yell for them, hey, come and help us. And they brought out their boat. And they filled not just Peter's boat, but Peter's, Peter's boat and James and John's boat. So that they were almost sinking. That's a great net of fish. When we launch out in the deep, when we are willing to, to step out and take that step and follow Christ farther and farther, can I say to you the blessings are real? Now, I'm not, tell, I'm not saying that your paycheck goes up. The spiritual blessings are real. There are real spiritual blessings. There is joy. There is peace. There, is, there, 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 is, there are uh, eternal rewards that we racked up and, 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 and given to us when we get to heaven. Uh, the Bible says in the book of Psalms that they that goeth forth, bearing, weeping, bearing precious sheep, shall doubtless come again, bringing their sheaves with them. There are rewards in heaven. Uh, we, we read earlier that, 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 that the day that our works will be judged, uh, as we did our scripture reading there in the book of... Uh, Wherever it was. Luke chapter 14, uh, no, it was in Matthew 16, uh, where, where he says that they were to, to pick up a cross and follow him. There'll be a day when, we're, when our works are judged and we'll be rewarded according to our works. Won't it be a sad day if you get to heaven and you're left out? Well, I got to heaven, I'll be happy. I don't think we will. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't think we will. As a kid, I, I, I can remember, uh, uh, I, I love my grand, grand, grandparents, don't, don't misunderstand me, but uh, our, our family was, was, was a little different. We were the white sheep of the family. Um, my parents loved us and took care of us and provided well for us, uh, the best that they could, and uh, we had some other family that the kids didn't get as much love uh, as, as uh, we did. So my grandparents made up with it for them. So there were times when we would go there for, for Easter or for Christmas. We would always go to my grandmother's, and there would be lots of gifts for the other kids and nothing ever for us. And as, as I got older, I understood, but as a little one, I did not appreciate that very much. I can remember being the only one, or our kid, us being the only ones who never got anything. And that hurt. As a child of God, we expect that we're going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into thy reward. But how many of us are going to get there and only get there by faith? And listen, we only get to heaven by faith, but there are rewards for those that serve the Lord. It's true. What rewards will you have? Peter... Do we understand the life that changed for Peter? He went from being a, a, a commercial fisherman to becoming a fisher of men. His life changed drastically. And listen, he didn't have money here on this earth. He didn't have the benefits of wealth and security like, like, like he did before. Uh, he, he, but, but you know what he did have? Eternal rewards. 
the blessings of God upon his life while he was here and the inheritance to look forward to. He left it all behind. There was a reward. And, and, and yes, he, he wouldn't have seen those fish, but he left it all behind. Let, 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 I want to look at the rest of this, the rest of this account. Because uh, there's something I want you to see. It says, and it says uh, verse 7, And they beckoned their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down on Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, at the, and all that were with him, at the drought of the fishes uh, which they had taken. And so was also James, John, and the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto them, Simon, fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. Notice this. And when they had brought their ship to land, they forsook all and followed him. Listen, they got all, they got two boatloads of fish, and there's so much that was sinking, and they got to that shore, and they didn't say, who's going to bid a, a, a thousand drachmas for this? No, they didn't sell those fish. They left them there to rot. They, they could care less about the fish. Why? Because they saw the power of God, what God could do. And they said, we'll follow him. They understood that the rewards of, of, of God were much greater than whatever this world has to offer. I, I want you to notice something else. We just read it. That, that they went out, or Peter went out, and he, he fished, and that caused others to come out there with them. When they began to see the, the miracle of God, and he called back for help, James and John, who were also followers of Jesus, got in their boat, and they went out. They had been sitting on the shore washing their nets while Peter was sitting there in the boat with Jesus. And when Jesus said, go out, they still stayed there. But when they, he was out there, said, hey, I need some help. The Spirit of God moved them. They got on their boats, and they went out and helped. Listen, when, we, when you step forward, and when you begin to serve God, when you get excited for God, and you get stirred up, and you start coming to Sunday afternoon service, and start coming to Wednesday service, and start praying and begging God for revival in your life, guess what? It will stir up the person next to you. We can stay complacent and we can stay right where we're at and we'll sit on the shore for the rest of our days, but I don't want to be there anymore. I want God to do a work in me and I want God to do a work in this church and I want God to do a work in each and every one of you. Not because I want to have bigger numbers on... Listen, yes, I've been praying for 30 on, Sunday, on, on Wednesday nights. Not because I thought that the number 30 was some magical number. Because I want to see God do a work in us. To get past the complacency and the reasons and the excuses. And hey, listen, I'm just too tired. Hey, listen, I'm busy. I get it. I get it. I get it. But God's calling us to do something more. And you can keep, keep following your excuses. And you'll sit on the shore while the rest of us, God is doing a work. Those who were here on Wednesday were blessed. The Spirit of God moved because they were here. Years ago, when God called me, he began to move in me. You know how it started? There was a men's meeting here. Maybe some of you were a part of it. I got to hear about how God moved, and it was just a time of passionate prayer and fervent prayer. Now God worked in, in their hearts. and man, uh, the, the, the excitement and the fervor that was, and I was standing on the outside saying, Lord, I wish I had it. I wasn't here to be a part of it, but Lord, that's what I want in my life. And God began to stir in me. Listen, you, maybe you weren't here on Wednesday, but God can still do a work in your life. He can revive something that was once there, or he can start something that's never been there. But I want you to understand, God's calling you to more. He's calling us to more. 
says they forsook it all. Now, sadly, in Peter's life, that wasn't the last time he was in that boat. We know that Peter went through some ups and downs. Just before the Garden of Gethsemane, he told Jesus, I will die with you. And we know what happened. They came and arrested Peter, or arrested Jesus, and everybody scattered. But Peter and John followed Jesus afar off. John went into the, into the court, the area where, where Jesus was being persecuted, where he was being beaten, and Peter stayed on the outside, afraid to go in. Afraid to even acknowledge that he was a part of the, the, those that followed Jesus. In fact, one of the women, if you, if you remember, one of the women said, Aren't you, weren't you with that Galilean? He said, I know him not. Jesus had said, before the cock crows twice, you're going to deny me thrice. There was one. And she goes, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure I remember seeing you with him. Goes, no, I wasn't there. I don't know the man, he said. And the third time she says, I know I've seen you before. I know that you were with him. And he swore. He, 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 he cursed. And he said, I don't know that man. Yes. And immediately, the cock crowed. And the conviction smote his heart. And he looked through that doorway. The Bible says that, the Bible says that Jesus looked at him. Their, their eyes connected. And he ran out the door and wept. John was there when Jesus was crucified. But Peter was nowhere to be found. And we don't know what was going on, where he was. But we do know in John chapter 21, after, after the resurrection, Jesus said to the disciples, I go a-fishing. And he took... Timothy or Thaddeus and a few others with them. The boat that he had forsook and left, that career, he went back to it. Why? The conviction of this fall drove him to it. He said, I haven't been faithful. I, I, I said I was going to do this and I didn't do that. And I, I you know, I, I just, I, I, I can't do it anymore. I'm going to go back fishing. And they went back fishing. And what happened? The same thing happened before. Jesus standing there on the shoreline said, Hey, you! Cast your net on the other side! And they did, and they caught a whole bunch of fish. And if you remember, everybody looked at Peter and says, That's Jesus. And well, they did their best to get the, get the fish back to shore. Do you know what it says that Peter did? It says he was naked, and he covered himself, and he jumped in the water. He and Jesus had a conversation shortly after that. And what did Jesus say to him? Follow me. He says, do you love me, Peter? He says, how could you ask that? He says, feed my sheep. Three times he made that request. Three times he said, do you love me? Three times Peter responded in the same way. The last time he says he was grieved. But there was a reason there were three times, I believe, because there were three times that he denied Christ. He says, he says, follow me. He said, you said you forsook your nest. You said that you, that you love me. You said all these things, but you, you, you failed at it, Peter. But I'm giving you another chance. Follow me. 
There may have been a time in your life when you said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to do. I'll serve you. I'll do this. I'll do this. And something happened in your life, some failure, some, uh, some, some sin that, that, that drew you away, some temptation, some reason, some excuse. I don't care what it was. Something pulled you away. And you said, well, I'll do what I can, but I'm going back a fishing. Can I tell you that there is forgiveness? And that there is grace in Jesus Christ. And there is a second chance. A third chance. And as many chances. James 4 says, draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. What's he saying? Follow me. We read Matthew chapter 16. Verses 24 through 27. Let's look at it again real quickly. So then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? He says, follow me. He said, you you can have everything this world has to offer. But if that's what you're seeking after, if that's what you're following after, guess what? You've lost everything. Peter left everything. But he got everything. He had a net gain. There's a, there's, a, there's a term in business that if, uh, at the end of the day when you do your books, you can have either a net profit or a net loss. And he had a net profit. Why? Because he forsook his nets. He forsook the fish and he forsook the boats. But there are too many Christians today that are still sitting in their boats. Listen, you, maybe, you're, maybe there, there, there's somebody here who's just kind of standing back and they're watching from the seashore. Uh, uh, they're, they're following, they're not sure. Jesus is saying, come unto me, all you that labor, and I will give you rest. There is salvation in, in, in Jesus Christ. His desire is to save you. But if you are a child of God, he does not want to see you stand on that shore. He wants to see you follow him. Follow him. And listen, he's not going to ask you to be a missionary today. I don't know what he's going to ask you to do. But he's just going to take you in graduated steps. You will spiritually grow in your life. And what he's asking isn't that you get to a place where you're comfortable, where you get to a place where you, you don't go any farther. Our, our Christian walk is one of following him every step of the way, walking as he walked, living as he lived, going where the Spirit leads. Farther and farther. You say, I got nowhere else to go. Follow him. I don't have any more strength. Follow him. I can't do it anymore. Follow him. You know what the, the apostles went through in the following years? Peter himself was thrown into prison. James was beheaded. Uh, it was the first, of the, the first of the apostles to die. What happened? They followed Christ. And listen, it wasn't easy for them. But Jesus was with them through it all. They all died in faith. They all died a martyr's death for Jesus Christ. But they did it willingly. Why? Because they counted the costs. They did. 
Luke chapter 14, verse 25 through, through 35, Jesus says that you're a fool if you don't count the cost before you do something. He used the illustration of you wouldn't go build, start to build a building if you don't know how much it's going to cost. Because you'll, you'll lay the foundation and start to build and then realize you don't have enough money to do it. There are too many Christians, there are too many people who say, listen, I want to serve you, Lord. I want to go where you want me to go. But then they get there and say, you know what, I don't like where I'm at. I think I'm just going to, I don't want to go any farther. I'm just going to stay here. And the world looks at him and says, thou fool. Demas did that. We, we, we looked at Demas at the Bible study on, on Thursday. He, 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 the Bible, Paul called him a fellow laborer. Uh, he said, Demas greets you in the book of Philemon. Uh, he was there serving with Paul. He, uh, he, uh, he, he was counted as one of the brethren. But it, it tells us that, that uh, Paul later says, for Demas hath forsaken me, for he has loved this present world. He got there and he was serving. He says, you know what? This has costed me too much. I love this world too much. And, and the book of John tells us that if we love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. James tells us if we, if we love the world that we are at enmity with God and that we are the enemy of God. First John also goes on to tell us in the next two verses that they that went out from us were not of us. Why? Because he never counted the cost of what it would mean to follow Jesus. Have you counted the cost? Do you, do you think that it's just a ticket to heaven, that you can come to church and just live your life however you want to live, and, and that's all God's ever going to ask of you? I guarantee you that that is not true. There are only a few things that I can guarantee in this life, that, that one day you're going to die. We all die. It is, a sad, it is a sad part of life, but it is a part of life. Now, there is, will, there is coming a day when Jesus is going to come back, and the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first, and we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with him in the, in the clouds. There is no guarantee that that's going to happen before you die. It would be a whole lot easier if we were all just raptured up and didn't have to die. But guess what? We don't know when he's coming back, and you could die. The next part says, or the next, the next thing is that, well, we're all going to die, and we're all going to stand before God. Now, as a Christian, we won't be judged because Jesus was already judged in our place, right? He, became, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. We are saved. He will separate us from the lost, but we will be judged for our works. In fact, in Matthew 16, we didn't read the, the, the verse 27, it says, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. You're saved. Praise God. I'm glad that you know where you're going. When Christ comes back and he looks at your works, how will, the, how will that judgment turn out? So well, I'm here. Israelites did a whole lot of stuff that they were told to do because they were told to do it. And Jesus said, they honor me with their lips, but they reject me with their hearts. Just because you're here, and I'm glad you're here, don't misunderstand me, but just because you're here doesn't mean that you're here for the right reason. Just because you serve in the ministry doesn't mean you're serving for the, for the right reason. Follow him. Let him make you to become what he wants you to be. 
And that's, that's the key. He told Peter in Mark chapter 1, uh, I, I will make you to become a fisher of men. And what happened there in Luke chapter 5? Peter falls on his knees before God. He says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And he says, from henceforth, thou shalt catch men. What took place? The change that needed to take place. couple of questions. Are you saved this morning? Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus? Are you one of those ones who followed him for a while, but when the teachings in life gets too hard, you walk away? I challenge you to look at your life honestly. I'm not your judge. But, but God will be. Question number two. Where are you in following Christ? Are you sitting on the are you sitting in the boat? Are you washing the nets? And that's where Peter started. And Jesus says, Will you will you thrust out a little ways? Will you take those steps? of obedience, simple, they're there for all of us. Read your Bible, go to church. We shouldn't have to beg people to go to church. We shouldn't have to beg God's people to come and pray. Jesus said this house will be a house of prayer. Will you do that? Will you follow him? Maybe you're, maybe you're already there. Will you launch out into the deep? Will you take the next step and say, Lord, I can't do this on my own, but because you said to, I'll do it. Judgment day is coming. One day we will stand before Jesus Christ and it's coming faster than we think. Whether he comes back or we die, that day is going to come. How will Jesus respond to you? Well done? Or depart from me? For I never knew you. Pray. Father God, I thank you for this, for your word. I ask, Lord, that you would, Lord, help us to evaluate our lives and where we're at in our lives. Help us to evaluate our walk. Lord, if there's one here today that's not saved, I pray, God, that today would be the day that they would see their need of salvation. Lord, help open their eyes, open their ears. Lord, help them to know and draw them unto you. Lord, for those that are here that are saved, God, I pray that you would stir up, stir up in our hearts a, a desire to serve you. Help us to cast off the reasons and excuses of why we don't, Lord, and help us to get out and, and go where you've commanded us to go and to do what you've called us to do. Help us to trust in you, Father, that we might see the spiritual rewards, that we might see souls saved, that we might see, see the work of God that we'll never see if we don't follow you. I pray that your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray.